go. Welcome, everybody, to our day four of the 2021 live stream extravaganza. Uh, this today, I was going to say this week, but today uh, we're joined by some of the coolest people in the in the motion capture slash visual virtual production industry. Um, I'm really excited for this one. It's going to be a lot of fun because I. I think this is one of the biggest, coolest um, kind of advances in, I guess, filmmaking in quite a while. This is super cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm really excited. And uh, so we'll get started, uh, as I like to do. Uh, we'll go ahead and give a little... Um, how did I say this? I just said this a second ago. <laughs> a little background of, of who you are, what you do, and um, yeah. and then we'll, we'll jump right into it. So uh, we'll start with you, Solomon, and... Um, well, go ahead. All right. Uh, caught me by surprise. Thank you so much, Houston and uh, Kelly. Uh, I'm, I'm really honored to be here. Um, right now, I'm here in the U.S., based in uh, Alexandria, Virginia, but I'm originally from Uganda in uh, East Africa, and I'm a 3D admin. Uh, well, I think that's it <laughs> for now. <laughs> cool. And Wimbush? Yeah, so my name is Jonathan Wimbush. I'm a motion graphics artist based out of Southern California, um, excuse me, California. <laughs> I work primarily in movies and television. I do a little bit of immersive tech with VR, been doing NFTs a lot lately. But um, yeah, I'm primarily a Cinema 4D and Unreal Engine user. And then, of course, the Adobe Suite. And Gabby? Hi, I'm Gabriella. I go by Feeding Wolves. Um, I am doing... Um, all in engine virtual production with an emphasis on motion capture and also a student of Jonathan Winbush. So I'm very happy to be here with everybody. Awesome. Thank you. And Kelly, who are Hi, you? I'm Kelly. I'm the, uh, I work for the Puget department, Puget systems in the labs department. I specialize in 3d rendering, 3d content creation and game development. Awesome. Yeah, awesome. Thank you. And um, much like yesterday, I'm going to be taking a back seat for this one and kind of let the experts handle their business in this. Um, if you do have any questions, I'll be sure to put them into the chat and we'll get them answered as best we can. And um, I guess, uh, yeah, I guess that's it. Or I'll just, I'll fade back and then Kelly, I'll let you uh, kind of take it from here. Sure. Right on. Goodbye. So I guess we'll start off kind of easy and say like, what is, what's happening right now in the motion capture virtual production space that you're really excited about? Anyone can jump in there. <laughs> Solomon looks like he's got an answer. He's thinking, you go ahead. Yeah, I was waiting to see what's <laughs> yeah, I think, excuse me about that. Uh, the one thing that I'm excited about I think the improvement in uh, the graphics cards, you know, being able to handle real-time rendering. Um, man, I remember when I come from uh, the, the like the world of uh, rendering using like Mentoray in Maya. <laughs> I remember when we used to do, you know, keyframe animation and things like that. But now to be able to have a portable system, you know, that you can take anywhere and I'm seeing the improvements in anti-magnetism. I think that's exciting uh, for indie filmmakers to be able to tell a story using uh, motion capture. Mm. Anyone else? 
Yeah, I guess I'll go. It's just um, the rooftop technology in general, like, you know, like as Solomon was saying, like I come from a world of first CPU rendering and then GPU rendering more recently. And now finally real time for, you know, Unreal Engine. And then you have like Embergen. So we can actually do like fire effects and liquid and particle effects all in real time. So Mm. For me, in a virtual production space, like that's huge because you can spend more time being creative and less time trying to troubleshoot or, you know, work in like wireframes and then spend a couple of minutes to see what the final image is going to look like or, you know, just those those nuances that we had in the past. So for me, it's all the real time tech that's been coming out that's been kind of revolutionary. Sure. Yeah, I can kind of come from your same background. I have my degrees in digital art. And I used XSI or soft image. Uh, yeah, I did too. <laughs> um, and I remember like trying to work on lighting for a scene and you'd have to like wait, you know, 10 minutes for a tiny little preview to pop up. And now you're just doing it as you go. It's, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yep. Is there anything that you're excited about, Gabby? I mean, anything related to mocap, I'm excited about. There's, um, there's so much going on with that. Um, I, I have an Xen suit, um, but for um, for people who just want to like test out mocap in general, especially with Unreal, there's so many things now. You can use like your phone. Um, there's um, apps that you can use your phone. I even tried the Maxon Moves a while ago that um, Cinema 4D had, uh, where I used my cell phone, um, face mocap um, using the UE Live Link face. Um, there's so much. Um, there's so many cool tools. Um, that you can use and capture motion capture and um, get that data into Unreal that it's um, it's amazing. There's there's so much coming out now. Like if you had asked me a year ago if this stuff would be possible, I'd be like, oh, if it is, it's probably like worth so much money, you know, like only studios can afford it. But now they're in the hands of like people like myself and, you know, anyone can um, – can get their hands on it. You can get like, you know, free trials and stuff and just see if you like the workflow. Um, so yeah, there's so much. Um, and Unreal is perfect for motion capture because it's an animation compositing software. So of course you wanna be able to get your own animations in there instead of working with just, you know, what you find on Marketplace, which is awesome, but um, you can, um, um, I'm, I'm reading a question over here. Um, but um, yeah, you can do so much with it. So uh, as a creative, I've seen people um, use motion capture, not just in Unreal, but in Cinema 4D. I've seen like amazing stuff, like you, even people who are using like Daz characters. It's just kind of mind blowing. Um, I kind of want to bounce off of what Winbush was uh, mentioning earlier with like NFTs. And I'm really curious um, to know if like you've seen people use mocap with um, NFT. Yeah. Yeah. I've actually done it myself. I've sold several NFTs using the Rococo suit. And so like, um, I'm not a good character animator at all. And so once I was able to get my hands on, you know, like a motion capture solution that allowed me to actually add humanoid figures to a lot of my work, which is really cool. Cause that's something that I would either have to hire somebody else in the past to do, or I was stuck to, you know, like the presets that the Mixamo library had. And so I was, um, 
you know, it's like I don't use the motion capture stuff a lot for client work. So once the NFT space started growing and I found myself being able to use my Rococo suit in there, I did maybe like four or five NFTs using motion capture. Like the first one being with um, Mixmaster Mike, I put him in the Rococo suit and like he's the world's fastest DJ that uses vinyl. So it was cool to see like him doing his work in the motion capture solution actually keeping up. And I did that via Bluetooth. Like that wasn't even over the Wi-Fi. So I had a direct connection to the laptop and it kept up with the frame rate, 60 FPS and everything. So yeah, it's been really cool to use, you know, these different types of solutions and experiment in the NFT space. I really think the motion capture, especially with these suits, has just exploded over the last couple of years yeah like polar express was one of the first movies that used yeah. facial motion capture and that was in 2004 i think so like 17 years and then all of a sudden i feel like the last couple of years there's been this huge push to kind of get these tools into more hands into private hands instead of like giant studios yeah. um and it's yeah. really cool to see like the likes of the three of you now having success with motion capture at home and building your own businesses around that. And Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah. I remember when I first uh, watched Avatar, excuse me, coming down with cold or something. But uh, for me, James Cameron uh, opened the door for what mm. was possible with the uh, motion capture. And I remember watching the behind the scenes what looking how the you know world of pandora was brought to life you know the, the navi and all that so i was like man that that is a uh, thousand and thousands of dollars worth of equipment and mm -hmm. i i would never be able to afford that and i remember the first motion capture suit that i was interested in this was 2009 it was with, by a company it was a company in, in canada called measurant that motion capture suit was $50,000 and had like mm -hmm. gloves too at the time called shape wrap. And so I was like, man, I really, really wanted to, uh, and I even contacted them. They told me the, the price. I was like, thank you. <laughs> 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 you know, and then you first, there was, uh, I think that at the time I was trying to make an animated movie about a, a mountain gorilla and an, a wildlife ranger and I wanted to be able to play the role of both of those characters. And that's how I was able to, I was trying to get into motion capture. And then fast forward to that, I think the Kickstarter for uh, the perception neuron, that's when I really got excited. Like now there's a possibility for us, you know, <laughs> the little people being able to afford motion capture. Mm -hmm. And some of the tech that I've seen for doing the facial motion capture was just any webcam or yeah. your cell phone or whatever. Um, I mean, not let alone the the iPhone stuff where it has like mapping your face and a lot more accurate, but um, now I forget the name of the company, um, but they had the faceware, there we go. Um, they had that free trial not too long ago yeah. where you could try mm -hmm. it out. And like just my Logitech C920, and within a yeah. few minutes, I'm able to get that moving a metahuman in Unreal in real time. Like, it's unbelievable what is happening now. Um, yeah. Is there something that you're looking forward to that you've heard discussions of or something that's coming that people might want to be aware of? 
I mean, if we do, we probably can't talk about it. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah. I do want to say that Solomon Jagwe, when I first got into, um, I started learning about mocap. You had you had tested out everything, and I yeah. saw your that commercial, or it was like something you did with. I think it was like. Um, it, it kind of looked like a, it was a cartoon that you did um, that you use mocap and the behind the scenes. And like, I was just kind of blown away by like how you were using all of this tech. And every time I started learning, like, like Accent, there was Solomon Jogway with a tutorial and an overview <laughs> face where there he is, you know, like I clone, like you've done, you've tested out everything probably before most people have. Um, so I guess if anybody has the answer to that, Kelly, I think it would be Solomon. <laughs> India. His his channel deserves to be much bigger than it is. I mean, it's the same thing. Like anything that I've seen, Solomon already either looked at or has a video for. So, yeah, kudos to you for keeping it up because you definitely deserve a lot more recognition than what I see you get online. Like you should have like two million followers right now, to be honest. Thank you so much, guys. And for me, it really comes from the, the desire to tell stories because I come from a village. I grew up in a village deep in Africa, right? right? Right, like walking barefoot in the village. And I'd never seen a TV before, no radio. Oh. Um, I, I look up at the sky and I see planes and I'm thinking those are metallic buds of some kind, right? And now here I am. That's why I'm so excited to be able to use technology to tell our stories. And I come from a, a, a place where you, if you don't have something, you make it. You know, right. and so when you see that head mounted camera rig that I, that was me desperately trying to make a head mounted camera so I could track my face, even before Faceware was big, you know, at the time, because Faceware set off mainly with uh, the software, which was a big part of it. And I think even in, uh, I think it was uh, Planet of the Apes, they, they were using some of the his Faceware head mounted camera system. So I've been chasing people around, you know making connections and i think that's the one thing that i've learned in this industry that the more you show people the, the passion that you have to tell a story they are willing to help you along the way and that's how i came i, I made connections with our face where i remember when mixamo was still here right before adobe bought them yeah. uh, they actually gave me three days they flew me over to the west coast to their studio uh, in uh, california and los angeles so it Three days of just being in that space just blew my mind, you know, seeing what mock-up was being used to do at the time. And Mixamo was the the go-to library for motion capture at the time. But now anyone can create that same library with a motion capture suit. Mm. Yeah. So we have a good question from YouTube from Stellar Elite. Um, they're interested in mocap that doesn't require a suit. Um They'd recently heard about AI camera-based options. Do you have thoughts, suggestions? Yeah, I was actually going to say that was one of the things I was looking forward to. Like, I forgot the um, company that's doing it because I had looked into it a year ago, but it was uh, AI-based um, motion capture. So you literally upload, you know, your MPEG or whatever to this AI database, and then it would send you back like a, a skeletal rig of the motion capture and everything. I'm not sure if wow. it did the rigging or anything, but um, like it was very early in the stages. So I think it only came back at like 24, 30 FPS, but it looked very promising. So I'd have to look, or unless one of you guys know the name, I'd have to look them up. But yeah, that AI solution looked really, really slick. I think there's two, there's like Radical. It's I think Radical Live where you use um, you use a phone, like an iPhone. And the other one I think is Move, 
dot AI, um, where they use like, um, kind of like a whole, it's like a optical kind of setup. Um, so yeah. And, um, yeah. And there was a time when you could actually use the kinetic, like if you had a, a mm. 360 Xbox 360, oh, okay. uh, you yeah. could, yeah, you could use their yeah, depth sensing cameras to be able to use. And even now people are still using that to capture the, you know, the performance of a person using, but it was be, that thing that was created by Microsoft <laughs> for, for video games, you know? Mm. So, I mean, I've seen people who have hacked it where they have two cameras, those are cameras, mm. but unfortunately, some of the cameras have been taken off the market. They're bought out by you know different companies. Even Face Shift, when we first started out, was like the place where we used to go to do like facial motion uh, performance capture, and then, of course, <laughs> Apple bought them. <laughs> And it ended up in the iPhone 10. So, and now, I mean, what was it? Dynamic X was bought out by 2K. So it's things like that, that there's a constant shift in the industry where there's like uh, us get to get a chance to use to create motion capture. And then it gets pulled off the market because the company has been bought out by someone bigger. And mm -hmm. so it's, there have been tools al along the way that have disappeared from the market as a result. Yeah, the one that used to connect that was um, Episoft, and they're still around mm -hmm. because actually they reached out a few months ago. But you could use um, not just the Connect now. Well, Microsoft actually came out with a new Connect like maybe two years ago called the Connect Azure. And yeah. that one's better than the ones that were on the Xbox. It's like this is strictly for enterprise use. It's at a depth camera, and it is pretty good. But um, with the Episoft software, you can also use practically any camera. So you can use your DSLR, you can use your webcam now, um, the PlayStation Eye camera that they had for their, you know, their motion capture gaming stuff. You can actually use that as well. So I'm not sure how much Episoft costs because now it's on a subscription base. Before you used to be able to just buy a license, but like everything else, they went to the subscription model. But they're definitely worth checking out because they do have, um, if I remember right, a free trial, like a 30-day free trial or something like that. But yeah, I would say if you don't have a mocap suit, they're definitely wants to you know go in and try out yeah i think I there's that. also like um vive mocap options as well which i'm like excited mm -hmm. to test out i haven't oh, tested it uh, out yet yeah. but using like um vr um uh vr trackers and um yeah that's really exciting too I, that's originally what i was gonna get um so um that's another option that i'm actually looking into testing out out of curiosity and you know just for fun I think um, it's out there, right? In public, Manus, is, they have the VR solution. So, yeah, you could just use your Vive trackers and everything to do your mocap. I think, did you use that, Solomon? Did I catch you do a video on? On which one was that again? With um, Manus, with their VR solution? Yes. Uh, not the VR solution, but their the gloves. Just the gloves, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's called Polygon. I, I, I'm shocked, Solomon, you haven't done that. You created like, um, you created an Android version of the UE Live Link face. You'd think that like, yeah. you would have like, you know. It's, oh, by the way, know, I... that's crazy that you did that. <laughs> So the I think they they actually sent me an email offering for me to try it out, but I think at the time I was so deep in another project uh, I didn't yeah. get a chance to do that. Yeah, yeah, I, I would love to try it because I think by the time the gloves came out for Xsense, they sent me the first glove that was com the newest gloves that was coming out for Xsense to try it out. But then they had mentioned that there was another one coming out though for virtual reality, and so. 
once I sent that back, I think that's when another project uh, kicked in and I was in, I didn't get a chance to test it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I saw that new DJI Ronin camera yeah. that um, it's not really a, it's not really a tool for motion capture at this point, but I like the fact that it had a built-in motion or a built-in uh, depth sensor for controlling focus poles. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I can just see that there's a lot of that tech just sitting there on the edges waiting to like really explode into this space. Yeah. And, and there's something that uh, Disney is working on something behind the scenes. I think there was a research paper that I saw online where it's uh, it definitely markerless. You don't need cameras, you know, things. Like so there, there is something else happening behind the scenes that uh, is definitely going to change the industry altogether. And one thing that I'm curious about um, with Avatar 2 and 3 and 4, uh, I know they were gonna they're gonna have some scenes that are underwater, right? Mm -hmm. So I'm curious to see a motion capture suit that is waterproof and that you can actually use underwater. Yeah. They're actually gonna have the actors swim in the water and then capture that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. They're going to do that. <laughs> yeah. That so those are the those are one of some of the things that I'm excited about because if you have a project where you have a swimmer you know, and you need to be able to just capture their performance. Maybe they're fighting a shark, you know, mm -hmm. or something like that. That would be so cool. Yeah. To be able to immerse someone in water and still be able to capture. I mean, it's challenging because you're not going to rely on the same technology we have now because of right. the water. Yeah. The refraction and all that. So that's going to be fun. I can even imagine trying to do something where a person's like floating in space. Like if you're on an international space station, you'd film them in water to get that sense of yeah. weightlessness on the actor. Yeah, it'll be, oh, yeah. be interesting to see how it comes up. Even now, you could probably just even send them up to zero Gs since they got regular people going up there now. Yeah, we'll just talk to Bezos and get a flight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Shatner just went there. So, I mean, they can send anybody up at this point. Mock up in space. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I liked uh, Winbush. You did you did a one where you were were you flying? Like you did one where like you showed that you were like in your living room and you ran and like you kind of just like landed <laughs> on your couch. And I was like, yeah. uh, Mom, we're gonna have to move some furniture around because like I got a light bulb idea. Like <laughs> that was that yeah. was so cool. I just um yeah, I'm always just trying to have fun and just try to experiment. So I was like, you know, like whenever you're using a Rococo suit, like sometimes if you try to do like a jumping motion or lift at least yeah. like one foot off the ground, how your character kind of just like takes off because it loses that tracking point. So yeah. I have a blow up mattress here and I was like, I wonder if I leave both feet off the ground, if I can actually do like the Superman motion in the mocap suit since it's going to go crazy and fly off anyway. And yeah, it actually works. Like I mixed yeah. it with, um, <laughs> what's it called? Mixamo had like a Superman yeah. pose already in there. So like I took my beginning animations and then I blended the animation into the Mixamo animation and it looked just, you know, like a rocket man jumping off a building and flying through the city and stuff. So yeah, yeah that was, that was really fun to work with. That's very cool, man. Um, so are there any, for the motion capture side of things, is there any kind of improvements you're like pushing for, hoping to get that maybe we don't, someone might not know about? I think I, I have an, a suggestion and I'm hoping the industry can do this. When I first got the, the Xsense suit, 
there were two options that came with it in the in the case there was the large one and then there was a really small one so i couldn't fit in the large <laughs> one right so i literally had to lose 10 pounds to be able to fit in the small one because i tried and i was sweating so much i'm looking for a solution where it just you know you know how like uh, yeah. uh, tony stark can just and then the, the suit just comes off on him like that. It would be so cool to have like some kind of fabric that you just put on and then it just fits your whole body and that's it. And that becomes the capture stores. Yeah. I mean, the one Gabby had was pretty cool where you didn't need a suit. You kind of just put the markers on you. Well, I guess perception neuron is like that as well, right? Like you just kind of yeah. put the sensors on where your joints would be at. I mean, that's something that I would be looking forward to because, um, yeah, I've gained some weight over this pandemic. So my ex or my Rococo suit is kind of tight right now. So definitely need a different solution. <laughs> I think we've all gained weight. I think all of us have. Like, I have to force myself to go on walks because I, I wake up and I'm like, I just want to get to my computer. Okay. Like, I can't. This is the best part, you know? And then I'm like, of course, walking the dog is great. But yeah. um, yeah, that was the Awinda. And I always recommend that if you're gonna if you're gonna get a suit that like a lot of different people of different sizes are gonna use. You know, because like yeah. you can get one or two sizes of on the Accent suit um, or any mocap like full body suit, but if you have like the ones where you just strap the sensors on, um, again, the perception neuron has that as well. Um, then you can have so many people use it, you know, like if you're doing training or whatever, um, you never have to worry about like somebody, somebody, you know, um, not fitting in it. Uh, but it, there is something like nice about putting on like a full body mocap suit though. And you're like, yeah. all right. <laughs> sure. So yeah, Matt has a question. Um, Curious how much time you have to spend cleaning up the capture data to make it fully usable. Is that getting better as the tech evolves? Oh, uh, I'm gonna stay out of this one. I'm um, because Xsense does a really good job with MVN um, HD reprocessing, which basically cleans up all the data. Um, but I am really curious about uh, the other solutions and what that's like. So I have the same question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Rococo, they have some cleanup tools within Rococo Studio. Um, I'm lazy, so I don't want to do cleanup. So if it didn't capture right the first time, like I'll literally put the suit back on and redo everything just to try to get as close as possible. But um, yeah, the cleanup solution in Rococo was pretty good. The only thing it doesn't really do good is, like I said, if you do any type of um, like jumping motions, like if you jumping jacks or a flip mm -hmm. or something of that nature, like you'll literally lose that contact sensor point and your character will just kind of like fly off into the software. So, I mean, I would hope for some better solutions there. Like I know you could use, um, at least with that one, you could use like the Vive trackers to try to give it like a ground plane if you have a VR headset, which I don't have the Vive anymore. But um, yeah, for cleanup, I just try to get it as good as possible within, you know, inside the suit so I don't have to do that afterwards. Yeah, I've seen the... Uh the progression of the perception neuron from the pn32 uh, back then i remember people would have so many complaints about how it the, the magnetic you know influences and things like that so as it moved from the pn32 to the pro version there was improvement because the casing of the neurons changed there was a time when you actually used to have to use your nails to pry them out just to put them uh, in a case for for safety so the pro uh, changed that whereby they improved on the uh, the 
like susceptibility to magnetism. And then the PN Studio suit, I think uh, for me, I feel like it's been the, all the work that, that has been gone through from PN32 from when they had the Kickstarter, they you took all that knowledge and all the feedback from the people and they put it into the PN, uh, rather the uh, Perception Neuron Studio suit. Now, there's something hidden in the Perception Neuron Studio suit that people are not using yet. It's called data process. And I'm actually also just finding out, uh, it was about a week ago, I had a project that I was working on desperately and there was some serious drift. You know, I did like multiple sessions of the character dancing. And I was so desperate, so like, how how does this even work? But there, there's data processing similar to HD processing in the Perception Run Studio suit. And I didn't even know about that. And this, I think it's because they, there was no tutorial just yet. But you can fix the, uh, the uh, drift as much as possible. Because, I mean, I've worked with the Xsense as well. The Xsense drifts uh, about 40 seconds in. So it's way better than all the other suits. So most inertia suits have drift. <laughs> That's something that you can't get away with, but it's the processing that it greatly, greatly improves that that part of it. And with the Perception Neuron Studio, there's a, before you used to use just a serial number to be able to activate it, they have a dongle that comes with it now. And on that dongle, there's more, like there's, a, there's another module on that dongle that also helps with the, the processing of the data. So yes, to that question, the hardware has improved and I'm seeing the mock-up getting better and better. And I see, I, I spend less time cleaning up in, with the data that I get from the Perception Neuron Studio compared to the PN32 when it first came out. That's cool. Yeah. Um, see what question here from Puget. Uh, seems like a lot of the focus is on 3D. Are there any 2D use cases for motion capture? Does that make... Did it make any sense for that? The, yeah, there's actually a solution for that. So with a uh, uh, reillusion, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the animator, the character animator, you can actually use your motion capture suit to drive a 2D character. Uh, all you gotta do is just rig the character with a <laughs> with their. They have like uh, templates that you go in, mm -hmm. and as long as so they give you a PSD template that you take into Photoshop, and as long as you put your characters hand exactly where the other character is they have a plugin that enables you to use the perception neuron rococo even makes sense to drive that character in 2d that's really cool yeah so we've mentioned a couple different solutions you guys have like a quick rundown of the different types of motion capture things available how much that, time you got? <laughs> the too broad of a because there's like XNs, Manus, and what else? Um, Perception Neuron, um, Rococo, um, the AI solutions that Gabby put there to move the radical, the Episoft um, for you know like the Connect and stuff like that. Um, but with suits, it's basically just the big four, right? Your Rococo, XNs, Perception, and actually just those three right i guess yeah there's another one that is in still kickstarter stage uh, it hasn't hit the market yet it's similar to what rococo is doing but uh you're right it's those main those major three. Oh, and i don't know what i mean if for if you talk about indie filmmakers yes but when it comes to like like hollywood <laughs> they oh, have yeah. their own internal you know systems that they're using maybe every now and then you see them 
adding on uh, faceware headwear like a headmount like a mm-hmm. the mark 4 system for example and that can help you know you, that becomes apparent because it's consumer but then internally they usually have their own system because i know james carmon has his own system that he's using on avatar yeah right yeah so someone new coming into this space what would you and they want to get a suit how would you recommend them do some research where are they what should they look for? I, I would say uh, test out the data and see how the uh, workflow, if it works with your um, with your workflow. Like for me with Unreal, like the Xsense workflow is so simple. They got tutorials that go with it. So you know what you're doing if you've never done it before. Um, and I got to test out the actual data. Um, I played around with some of the Rococo motion library data. I never had a chance to actually take some raw data from Rococo. Um, but for me, that workflow was like kind of complicated. I remember I was like asking Winbush, I was like, cause I had to do this in cinema 4d. And I was like, I would spent like a month in there and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I don't know how to retarget. I have no idea. So, um, test out data, um, from each one of the suits and more than likely most of these companies will like you know let you try you know maybe a free software trial or send you like an fbx or something but try the data and find out if it works with your pipeline you know with your workflow because um that's what i would recommend yeah i would also say um well i know we're still dealing with pandemic stuff right now but the trade shows are starting to open up like Mm -hmm. um we have next month we have the aew conference up north in the san francisco area and that's all that's going to be like all xr and they're like man this is going to be there i'm not sure the other solutions but you know like trade shows like that or nab or siggraph like most of these companies are at those particular trade shows so if you if you're capable of going, I would say you know go to one if it's in your area and just talk with the companies. They usually are more than happy to give you a demo, kind of go through the workflows, and then if you build a rapport with them there, because you know they'll give you a business card and you just keep in contact. Maybe they'll send you like a free trial. You know, like they'll give you a suit for thirty days or whatever. Like I know Gabby and Solomon can attest to that as well. Like if you reach out to these companies, usually they'll try to find a solution if you're serious and try to help you out and try to get you into their ecosystem because at the end of the day they want you to use their products so they're going to you know bend over backwards to try to accommodate you and really help get you into the workflow or their ecosystem there so i would say don't be scared and just reach out to a lot of places until you find something that works for you yeah and like gabby said if try the soft i mean the data as much as possible because before I got the perception neuron, they provided the free data and the program was free. So I just downloaded it and played with it. And even with iClone, there was a trial version of iClone. So I was able to go in there, play with the data and say, okay, this is something I can actually use in my project uh, before I went ahead and purchased one of the suits. Now, if you have the talent and you have a service that you can provide, you can also go the route of uh, exchange of services. Because I remember I had this short film that I was trying to work on and I knew Facebook didn't, I mean, I was such a small guy, <laughs> just a blip on the radar. But I, I actually called, just wrote someone uh, to uh, Faceware and told them, you know, I have this idea, you know, and also did the same thing with uh, Mixamo. And Mixamo, that's how I actually got the to be flown over to the West Coast for those three days with Mixamo. I did, uh, so GDC was coming up and they needed uh, an animation for their booth. I said, I can do that. 
if you we do exchange of services here for free. So I did the animation was a, I think it was about 30 second, 40 second clip that they played like a looping kind of animation. And once I completed it, they honored their side of the deal and they flew me out there to do my animation for the mountain gorilla character. So you could do that. You could actually do exchange of services uh, so that you can, you know, move forward. But it can be expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, right, you know, it can be expensive to try to get a motion capture suit, you know, to do something like that. So just be prepared with that. First of all, what you bring to the table, <laughs> you know, and uh, be honest. Don't try to to lie about what you, you're capable of doing uh, and show an example of what you've done before. You know, sometimes it might not even be 3D. If you can show that you can tell a story using a storyboard or like a script of some kind, you'll be amazed at how doors can open with that. That's great. Um, you guys have any other things you want to talk about or any? Oh, Right, we had a question from before. Uh, is this for just Unreal, or um, what other software is used for mocap? I know Unreal kind of in the virtual production gets all the the headlines, right? Um, but what other softwares like this is available? The plugins for Cinema 4D, Maya, all that stuff. I was going to say, once you have the data and you export it out as an FBX, I mean, you could practically use any piece of software out there from any DCC, like, you know, Cinema 4D, Maya, Blender, etc. cetera. Um, most of the real-time engines, like Unity, you can import in most places have plugins for Unity. Um, CryEngine, you could use that as well. So it, I know, like, Unreal, because they get the, the big marketing backing from, you know, like Mandalorian and other stuff mm -hmm. that they've been doing. So that's what everybody talks about, plus the MetaHumans and UE5 and stuff. But, I mean, you could use these solutions for practically any software solutions that you have out there, except for... I mean, it has to be like a 3D app or like Solomon was saying, like the Revolution, if you want to do 2D characters, like you couldn't do this with um, like After Effects or Nuke or something. Like you would need a 3D stage to kind of bring these FBXs into. Yeah. And even with uh, DAS 3D, there, I mean, DAS Studio, there was a time when you couldn't do motion capture data whatsoever in DAS Studio. And then, you know, face motion came out. Uh, at first, it was a face module. Then it became, uh, there was also face motion that came out. And for me, I, I, I love testing mockup in does so i was able to try able to take some mock-up data from the extent suit and tested it with the some of the does studio characters over there so yes you can use it in does studio in blender you know as well and unity you know because i've used motion capture data in unity as well because there was a, a project that i worked on with a, a gentleman and we were trying to do like real-time mock-up using unity and at the time it wasn't I, mean, I don't think there were many solutions at the time, but I think plugins are being developed right now where you can actually plug in both ARKit support as well as the uh, the full body mockup for Unity. Yeah, I imagine with virtual production being the huge kind of buzzword across every industry right now, um, every entertainment industry, that yeah. there's plugins coming for everything possible if it's not out there yet um i saw uh motion picture academy whatever that's called oscars they had a, a long virtual production uh live stream yesterday explaining what virtual production is to the members and uh <laughs> it was kind of a it starts off as a really good like explanation for 
what all this means for filmmakers like what heck is virtual production um but yeah it's it's everywhere and being able to do live motion capture is i don't know i just took animation classes in college i did that for a couple semesters and was like this is not what i want to do with my life <laughs> became an environment artist after that um, <laughs> but if i would have had access to a motion capture suit that might have been different because it's a lot yeah. better to clean up a, a animation than to start from scratch and make it look believable and weighty and all that stuff it's so strange yeah. you say that you say that because i remember when i when I went to school to study animation, it was in Maya and it was on a, a Mac at the time. And I don't think I've used a Mac to animate anything in the last four or five years, yeah. you know? So there's like that transition. When I came to the US, I, I had come to do a degree in fine art. I thought I was going to be a painter, you know, but then I saw an animation on a plane, like I was flying a, a Sabina, uh, Air, like a flight out of uh, Europe. It was a, it was in Europe back then, but it was flying into the US and they have those little TVs in the back. So they had, they were, there was something really cool about it. And I was like, what is it? So once I got to the university, I asked them, you know, do you, what was that that I saw? They told me, well, that is called animation. <laughs> I never even heard that word before. <laughs> and I'm like, you, it's animation. Do you offer it here? They said, no. And so I transferred from that university to Maryland and so I, I did like an a course in uh, art and visual technology. And so I transitioned from being a, a painter. I still paint, but I transitioned from being a, active active painter into an animator after that that's so great um so i guess another big thing that's being talked about in this space is unreal 5. is that changing anything for motion capture improving anything have they not really gone into that side of it yet it's still a pretty early access I would say, like, I think, like, the person who I've seen use Unreal 5 the most with mocap would be Matt Workman, Citizen mm. Meta 1, and using it, like, for his live streaming, which is crazy. Um, every time I try to use it, like, um, I've just noticed that with UE5, my particular workflow, it's, like, great. And then when you try to, like, render something out, like, something goes wrong. Or if you try to, like, create a control rig, I get crashes. So um, it's pretty looking. Um, <laughs> I think, um, but as far as, like, mocap and UE5, I would say, like, Citizen yeah. Meta 1 is, like, um, killing it in there. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, Corey, uh, a.k.a. Blue... Mm -hmm. is using it for his workflow as well. Um, and they're doing some amazing things in UE5. Um, but um, I saw I saw that um, tutorial that Winbush did for a school of motion. So um, yeah, that was, you probably know more about it than I do, Jonathan. Yeah, I don't use UE5 too much <laughs> just because I use it for a lot of client work and um, like I use it to play around with or if I need to, you know, do a tutorial, like everybody always wants to see UE5 opposed to 4. So most of the time I'll do my tutorials now UE5, but um, like production work, like I'm still sticking to 4, or particularly 4.26 just because of the stability and then a lot of the assets that I have just work in there and the Mega Scans library works pretty good in there and everything. So mm -hmm. I haven't been, um, like Gabby was saying, like 5 
like I love the UI and the new interface that they created there and everything just, you know, it looks updated and brand new and I really dig it, but just, you know, it's still in the alpha stages. And so I really don't particularly, you know, use it too much for any type of professional work, just merely tutorials. But the motion capture stuff that I tried to put in there, I was getting a lot of errors and a lot of crashes and that was when UE5 first came out. Like I know there's been updates since then, but I just haven't really tried anything recently. Yeah, and most pro- most of the plugins that we use, mm-hmm. uh, they've not been updated yet for yeah, that too. Android Engine 5, yeah. So yeah. the way I use it for me is I do all my animation in uh, the Android Engine 4.26. And then once I have the sequencer ready, then I take the whole project and open it in the Unreal Engine 5 for rendering purely for rendering and also for lighting. So I love Lumen, you know, mm-hmm. I, yeah. like, like Gabby said, it's pretty, right? <laughs> it is beautiful. So that's, that's the main reason why, because there's a short film that I actually did that ended up being in the Unreal Engine 5. Uh, I think Nanite rescued me. My <laughs> project was crashing like crazy. And this is before I got the Puget system, right? By the way, is it Puget or Puget? Puget. Puget? Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. I've been trying to pronounce it like it was French. Oh, as I was saying, it's not a French company. <laughs> I hear yeah. Puget. I hear people calling it Puget sometimes. I'm like, oh, that's so, that's so different. That's yeah. a fancy term for it. Yeah. So it was before I got that system that I transitioned to working in uh, the Unreal Engine 5 because it sped up my, uh, the, the I, it was this village. You know, I had a, to, the, my team and I, we modeled this entire village. When I brought in the characters, it was a heavy, heavy scene for 4.26 to handle. I kept running out of memory constantly. And then the Unreal Engine 5, you know, came out. I was like, let me try it. And the the project was able to load. I rendered days on it. I didn't want even to stop because if I stop, I was like, it's going to probably break or something. And I was able able to go from beginning to end and and rendered out that short film, which is actually making the, the run, I mean, the festival run right now it has gotten uh, i think several like uh nominations but i was rescued by unreal engine 5 so yeah. i can't wait for it to become fully you know commercial like fully uh, functional and all our plugins working so can i ask when you convert it from four to five you didn't have any type of issues at all because i've tried that as well and i just ran into like a whole plethora of you know errors and just like some stuff didn't convert over that well and so i just stick with four like i tried to use five the same way that you used it but just you know trying to even migrate my scene from four to five even i was having issues there as well yeah disclaimer i think Ever since I got that machine from Puget, that has been a difference maker, you know, because I don't know if it's the memory issue, like you're talking about uh, Winbush, uh, because some of the errors that I was getting was constant crashes. Even before I transitioned to this new machine, it was because memory, you know, I just kept like my scenes were so big and I wanted to be able to get close to the you know characters so we're using really really high high raised uh, textures and yeah. so until before what when i didn't have the 3090 i was just running to errors you know like crazy errors because of uh first of all it runs out of memory it can't compile it takes forever to compile something sometimes five hours just trying to wait and see if it will actually work those are the kind of challenges that i was experiencing <laughs> 
Yeah, I was going to yeah, ask true. the same thing. I was like, how'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I'd be too scared to be like, oh, open with different version. Oh, Yeah, another quick thing, Winbush, the errors that I ran into had to do with uh, the plugins. So if, if the project had multiple plugins, mm -hmm. you know, that I used to make that particular... And the, the, it would it would have the errors in. Uh, so what I would do is, I'll, first of all, once I had baked down everything, I made sure to uncheck every single plugin inside of uh, the Unreal Engine 4.26 before sending it to the Unreal Engine 5. Mm. And that's when the, the headaches went away because it tries to run some of the files that have telltale, you know, files from 4.26 with plugins like... Uh, I, I, there's so many things that uh, sometimes I don't even know what's happening behind the scenes. So they are always like ghosts waiting to pop out. And uh, once I unchecked all the plugins and then transported that to the Unreal Engine 5, I didn't run into those issues again. But that means I couldn't do anything else, you know? It was right. just a sitting, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. All the scenes I've tried to migrate to 5, like the way I lit everything before, like it doesn't work with Lumen. So like yeah. using emissive materials, not as lights, but as just yeah. kind of giving them brightness. Now they're lights and uh, yeah. doesn't render correctly. And yeah, I've, I have quite a bit of stuff to migrate to five and I'm having a hard enough time getting from 4.26 to 4.27 for these programs. So yeah, when, it, yeah. when five that is finally out, I'm not looking forward to that. Say if Unless there's some feature inside of seven, four point two seven that you need, I've been just sticking with four point two six. Like I've been having um like my workflow, I work a lot with Cinema 4D to Unreal and I've been having issues with, you know, two seven there. So I just stick with what works, you know. If it yeah. ain't broke, you know. Yeah. Don't try to fix I, I will it. say four point two seven. I'm doing a, a tutorial right now in there. It's like a metahuman face control rig um tutorial and i started it in 4.26 and whenever i would just like keyframe you know like 10 keyframes on the face control rig board and i would save that sequence it would take a minute for that sequence to save um i brought it into 4.27 i redid the whole tutorial in 4.27 and you'll notice that it's capped at 60 frames like that's that's how all the 4.27 projects are. They're all capped at 60 frames, which at first I was like, why is that? And then like I started working on my tutorial and then I'd hit save, bam, done. Like it's very well optimized and I can see why they would optimize it for virtual production. I guess like those were the updates. So it's 4.26, but with the virtual production update. So if you're like inputting, you know, all of your other you know, external, you know, like mixed reality and LED stuff, I could see why 4.27 would be much easier to work with. So I would say it's like kind of like, like a plus version, you know, like mm -hmm. it's a smoother ride in there. Um, that's about it, you know. I have a quick question. Uh, this is to Gabby and Winbush. So the three of us come from a cinematography background. Um, how how are you uh, tra like transitioning that into uh, are you able to apply some of those skill sets into the unreal engine you can go oh, first yeah. <laughs> when you say cinematography you mean like, like from like video videography cameras, yeah from traditional cameras from using traditional cameras yeah i don't um 
I didn't have a big background in using traditional cameras. Like I did photography just, you know, it's like a side passion when I'm hiking and stuff like that. So my knowledge of, you know, like all the camera settings and everything on a DSLR is very minimum. But what I did like inside of Unreal was it did try to mimic the real world cameras as much as possible. So like all those different settings there, your ISOs and your shutters and all that type stuff, it's all there. So if you do have like a cinematography background, the camera, the virtual camera in there to work just like a robot camera and they even try to match it to you know like to the airy cameras and the red cameras things like that like you can match those settings and if you have like you know like the ipad or the iphone and you hook it up with the live link you can actually run those settings on your your tripod as i've seen you guys do before as well and you know kind of run through and do your camera work that way with the handheld camera so i think a lot of that stuff is really cool because it makes everything seem more natural as to automatic as I was working, you know, with like cinema and redshift, like it was tougher to get it to look the way that I want it as just using the cameras inside of Unreal. So I think Unreal made the adaptability a lot easier in those regards. Yeah. Um, I, I'm just finding that because I'm actually learning more about film and cinematography from using Unreal than I did when I actually had like my 1DX and I had all these lenses and stuff. Like I, I use that now to like record my tutorials, but um, I'm learning more about cinematics in Unreal itself. Um, yes, there's those real world, um, those virtual camera tools that you can use. Um, but what I'm finding is, finding a balance between creating content, telling stories and making tutorials now, because like, if I want to accomplish something visually in Unreal, I have to learn how to do that. Um, and for me, like the face mocap with the MetaHumans is kind of becoming an obsession. So I want to be able to perfect that. And in order to do that, I have to like study the face control rig board. So um, I'm setting up cameras and like, you know, adjusting all these things as I'm doing my tutorial. So I'm learning so much about how to organize like this, this face control rig tutorial had like 87 sequences, um, all, all keyframed and organizing them and making sure everything was framed correctly. I learned so much. So um, it's finding a balance between like, creating cinematics and telling amazing stories and at the same time learning and sharing what you're learning with the community because this is so new there isn't a video out there that like there actually is there's one really really good one on the face control rig board um so yeah it's more of a journey solomon it's like you know i don't know i don't know but i love it <laughs> yeah um oh, i forgot his name yeah, he goes by Punisher on, on uh, oh, Clint. Yeah, Clint. there we go. Punisher. Yep. Yeah, he just had a, a video on making things look more cinematic because he comes from the cinematic background. Yeah. And so he goes into some of the details about selecting like what film back and what lens type and <clears throat> all that kind of stuff and how to make it look more cinematic. I came from a game industry background, so. I'm with Gabby, I'm learning how to do the cinematic stuff in Unreal um, as we go along. <laughs> uh, a couple of questions from chat. Um, do, uh, where is it? Um, quick, quickly, uh, Chris Hunkler, Hunkler uh, says, is it possible to capture data from VR trackers on inexpensive? Um, it is possible, right? It's yeah. not the best, but it's, it's possible. Yeah. yeah, I would say. Oh, go ahead, Gabby. 
No, I think like Matt, like look at Citizen Meta One stuff, like, um, and he's developing this stuff, like he's taking it a step further. Um, uh, another guy, um, Kai, um, I can't pronounce his uh, his name right, but I'll look it up. It's like Mega Steakman. Let me, I'll have to look it up. But they're all using VR. They're using like Vive equipment to capture motion capture on the meta humans, which is like super hard already because their skeletons are not like too simple. So um, absolutely, you can definitely do it, but I'm sure there will be like some type of cleanup. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I was going to say the Manus system too, the Polygon system that's built for the Vive system and everything. So if you already have like a Vive, um, it doesn't work with Oculus because of course, you know, they have their standalone headset. So you do need a Vive, the, the Lighthouse stations there, but Manus has a solution there too, where you just take like the Vive pucks and, you know, you connect them to your belt, then each one at a joint and you'll be able to use your VR solution in that regard as well. And then another question from Stellar Elite. Um, finally jumped into UE properly after starting Wimbush's course. Uh, I'm wondering if it's normal for it to take like 30 minutes to open some projects. Would a better processor help? Um, first time opening a project in Unreal is not unusual for it to take a very long time. Um, a lot of things are happening in the background. Shaders are being compiled, um, a bunch of other stuff. Um, and the first opening, sometimes a better CPU doesn't help because like I was opening a project recently and I was watching Task Manager during it and like it would hang at 39%, which I'm sure we've all seen Unreal stop at 39%. Yeah. And <laughs> there's like nothing happening on the CPU. I don't know why it freezes like that, but it's not unusual for Unreal to take a very long time especially the first time opening a project. Um, but when it's compiling shaders and all that kind of stuff, then you want a CPU with more cores. The more cores, the faster it's going to yeah. compile shaders because it can do them at the same time. Um, yeah, I pointed out that question because I was curious to what you were going to say, Kelly. I know you guys do a lot of benchmarking on a lot of mm -hmm. this stuff. So I was curious as well because a lot of people asked me this question. So I wasn't sure if it was, you know, CPU would help or more RAM or if it's the GPU that you have. Like, what's the hang up there? Because I know a lot of times it's compiling shaders when you first open it. Like, mm -hmm. you usually don't hit that issue again once you start using it. But it's that initial opening of Unreal that really set people back that think, you know, it's broken a lot of times. They're like, mm -hmm. why isn't this working? I've been having to sit here for 15 minutes and I'm like, yeah. you know, just be patient. It is doing some compiling in the background. I don't know what it is, but I like, I don't know what the solution is to help, you know, make that accelerate there. Yeah. For the most part, it would just be, um, main thing that's happening that takes a long time is the compiling of shaders. Um, yeah. So and that's also, a, are you on a Mac? You know, if like yeah. we, I would ask that question, like, is it a Mac or a PC? If it's a Mac, like that's that's pretty much, you know, cut and dry. If it's a PC, mm -hmm. you know, like I'd look at the specs maybe. But um, yeah. Yeah. I would and also, say, go ahead. Yeah. When I remember when I I did something when I still had my old system, I up updated my hard drive to an SSD hard drive. Mm -hmm. And that made a big difference because if you have this 72 RPM, you know, mm. going around and around, it takes forever to access files and, you know, compile things like that. So I, I realized when I, once I updated my 
primary drive to an SSD, things changed. You know, there was some improvement at least that I noticed. Chris had another question about the price of motion capture oh, suits. The ballpark of motion capture suits? Yeah. Oh, yeah, I guess they were Coco's 2500 bucks. I mean, that's across the board. Like, I think they have five different sizes, but the suit size doesn't matter because you could take the sensors out of them and apply them to any tactile suit. So for the full suit, well, I say the suit, um, the suit itself without the gloves is 25 And then I believe the gloves might be another 1100 the 1200 So... Like if you want the full solution with the body and the hands, that's going to cost you around twenty seven hundred, I believe. And that's on the Rococo side. I'm not sure about the other suits there. Yeah, for the perception neuron suit, uh, it ranges. I think the last price was about fourteen ninety nine for the PN thirty two. But the PN thirty two is phasing out, so now it's the PN three really, which is the lower version. And I think that's nineteen ninety nine. The Perception Neuron Studio suit is uh, five ninety nine five. It was six thousand dollars really, without the gloves. And oh, then, wow. so if yeah, once you add the gloves on, you're looking at around uh, seven thousand dollars, seven thousand five hundred dollars for that. Now the software is free, so once you get the the hardware, uh, you don't have to pay any more after that. There's no subscription, <laughs> nothing. Um, I would say go on the virtual production. Um, the Unreal Engine virtual production Facebook page. I'm literally looking at um, someone posted in the files section. They have a complete breakdown of how much every single one of these suits cost. It's got Rococo, the Xenza window, the link. It has the price of the actual hardware, um, how it works, how much the software is. So if you really want to like have it mapped out, go on the virtual production uh, group, go to, under links and look up... Um, the mocap um breakdown over there for sure that virtual production facebook group is really good highly recommend anyone that's out there interested in virtual production join on there because you, you'll see the whole range of virtual production from indies to big huge film sets with like you know 300 foot led caves and stuff it's I believe there's two big ones on Facebook, right? Because Citizen One, Matt has one, and then I think there's an Unreal one. Those both are oh, pretty big there on Facebook. Okay. I didn't know Matt had his own. I'll have to look for that myself. Yeah. He's got a new one. <laughs> I wasn't invited. Oh, he has a new new one? I know he made one. I don't think he does. I, I, think, I, I don't know. I thought the, the I thought the Unreal Engine virtual production one was his or is his. Um, the other big it one, and handed it off to someone else. There uh, you go. What uh, what's the other big one? There's so many. There's like a lot, like the real time mm -hmm. filmmakers that John McInnes has. Oh, um, yeah, that one, right? That one, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of resources out there for sure. Now, there are. Ask me a year ago, I would have been like, I don't know. And I think that's where I met Gabby. It was in the virtual production <laughs> Facebook group. Was it? Because I was probably like trying to do something <laughs> and I was watching your video. Like I couldn't get the Yui Live Link face thing to work. And I, I was like, why is this so hard? And I found your tutorial and like you were showing on your phone. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And I think then I messaged you about like, um, I messaged you for troubleshooting just like Jonathan. Yeah. I was like, I'm stuck. Help me. <laughs> 
And actually, for me, for getting in, Winbush that got me into it. I watched his uh, videos. I, I'm I'm fairly new to the Unreal Engine, actually. So for oh, me, really? it was yeah. I'm fairly new. I, I come from like DCC kind of you know Maya, 3ds Max, those kind of things. You know, work animate there, render there. But once uh, I saw some of your tutorials, I was sold. I was like, you know, I really have to jump into some of this stuff. And watching Gabby. It's, progress so fast was actually yeah, inspiring yeah, i'm like yeah. someone can actually learn this program and go from this point to this point i, I was so impressed and so inspired uh, it's it's because of the guy which way am i pointing when it's this Over guy there. his fault yeah. <laughs> he started it yeah. and uh i mean i have to say on air i'm proud of your progress like i know you're like one of the first people to take my course there which i really appreciate and just to see how far you came in such a short period of time like i mean you surpassed me especially when it comes to like the motion capture stuff i'm just like holy crap, like she's killing it. Like you're on the front of like XSAN's page now and they're shouting you out and you're like, you're on the main stage now. So I mean, it's cool to see like someone as yourself that didn't know anything about this stuff. And within a year, you know, you're landing deals with like big corporations and you're doing movie with Haas and stuff like that. I mean, it's been really cool to kind of witness in real time. So yeah, hats off to you. It's been an amazing journey to witness from the sideline. Thank you so much. I couldn't have done it without you. So yeah, you. and I, I keep oh, telling could've. people, yeah, <laughs> I keep telling forward. people that uh, um, feeding wolves and you call feeding wolves, Gabby. <laughs> By the way, why is it feeding wolves? <laughs> I've always wanted to ask that. <laughs> it's actually I'm working on a short film. I will I will break that down in that. Okay. There's there there's there's a story behind it for sure. Yeah. I always tell people that if you ever want to be inspired on, like, if you want to get into the Unreal Engine, it, from knowing nothing to creating something awesome, you have to check out Gabby's YouTube channel. Because I, I believe that anyone can learn the Unreal Engine. You just have to have the passion for it. You have to be willing to use it for to tell stories. And I think what you've done, Gabby, is inspirational, you know, to so many people. Thank you so much. I'm, I'm gonna. I, I don't want this live stream to be over. I want to <laughs> hang out here forever with you guys. <laughs> but I was gonna oh say God. too. Um, it's funny you say you learn Unreal from me, Solomon, because um, actually your tutorial I saw when you doing Octane with Unreal. That was kind of one of those moments that because I, you know, I've been a traditional cinema artist. I've used Octane and Redshift, and then you're the only person I've seen online that was like, "Hey, I'm using Octane and Unreal," and I'm just like, "How is? What are you doing?" I think I even messaged you like, <laughs> "How did you make this work or whatever?" But it's one of those things too. It's like okay, it made my progression from cinema to Unreal easier because. I can see the tools that I'm already familiar with are inside this new platform as well. So that was one of those videos that I saw that was like, oh, okay, I can just use the stuff that I'm used to using inside of Unreal. So I would say you are one of those influences that helped me like keep going with it and keep exploring and pursuing what I was doing in there. Awesome. So what do you think of the the new RTX in uh, 4.27? Like, uh, they've path tracing. Yeah, um, like I said, I haven't been using this two seven. <laughs> like, I mean, it's a it's an awesome addition. I I'm more like I love um, Lumen with the um, yeah. N five, and so if anything, that's what I'm really waiting for them to kind of solidify 
you know, five and everything. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's cool for the people that wanted it, but I'm really just sitting here waiting for five to really become more yeah. stable and to finally release hopefully early 2022. But, you know, it knows where it's going. Yeah. Yeah. If they can bring some of the new stuff that they added with 427 for virtual production into five. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. some that's missing still. Uh, I think it could be a really good, really good product. Like with the past trade, would they even go into five? Because I know it kind of makes it into like an offline render almost, and it looks good, so, but I don't think it's going to be in five, right? Oh, it Path is. Tracer it, is mainly it's, it's a, it's there for okay. a, um, yeah. yeah, it's mainly there for, to, as a, like a benchmark to say, this is what the accurate um, lighting yeah. would be. And then you can compare that to your, um, either without yeah. ray tracing or with lumen and see if it's uh, for me i find it fascinating uh, because Oct octane does something similar to the path tracer in 4.27 and i think that's why i'm excited about it because eventually i know lumen is gonna take all the Unreal Engine 5 comes, you know, fully functional. Uh, but <laughs> I still, I played with it. I played with uh, the path tracing and it's still, there's still so many things that it's lacking that mm -hmm. doesn't support it. Even in 4.27, there's still some things that Octane does better. And I think Octane, they're trying to make something called Brigade that is real-time, you know, path tracing. And I'm hoping that uh, they can do that in the Unreal Engine 5.0 with their, their path tracer there because I see it, it's there. It's there, but they don't they don't tout it as much as in four point two seven. Yeah, speaking to a toy, um, they said that Brigade should work with Unreal moving forward. So that would be interesting yeah. to see as well. Like they're trying to be like that universal, almost mm -hmm. like the Nvidia Omni. I don't know if you yeah. missed around that system where they're trying to be like every DCC is welcome. Then you could use our solution to render out your final output. So at least in my understanding, that's how Brigade is going to work. Like. They're saying no matter what platform you're on, you should be able to utilize your gate for the um, real-time path tracing. Interesting. Solomon, I'm waiting for a tutorial on that, please. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> on um, Brigade or Omni? Um, Brigade for sure. Omni, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm already busy with the, the what I'm doing in Unreal to learn a whole <laughs> other thing. I don't know. Yeah. And yet, I think for, maybe. for Brigade, what Otto is doing, I think they may have seen what NVIDIA has seen because with 5.0, it's becoming agnostic when it comes to graphics cards. You know, so with uh, the Lumen being CPU, can be CPU best, you really don't have, need like a really super duper graphics card to be able to run and we, you may you can use in uh, the amd as well yep. as the nvidia graphics cards in in those systems so nvidia may have seen the light and that maybe that's why they're doing the omniverse because they want to be able to provide that kind of uh, real-time lighting you know using their graphics cards I know even Epic put out a press release a couple of months ago even saying that the AMD GPUs actually run Unreal 5 better than the NVIDIA cards because I guess they helped in the development there because yeah. UE5, I mean, it was built for 
almost um the playstation mm-hmm. playstation 5 and then the xbox series s and x yeah. and that's all amd components in there so they work tight net with amd to optimize the systems for there so i was looking at i mean kelly could probably speak more to this but i was actually looking at the benchmarks and stuff and they were saying that the recent amd gpus with five actually outperform you know even like the 3090s and stuff like that unfortunately i don't have any amd cards uh. <laughs> the, the one I one uh, article I did with the AMD cards I had to borrow from uh, Linus Tech Tips. Yeah, to borrow his AMD card because we couldn't get one. We still haven't gotten one. All right, we are a bit over time. So Houston, are you there? Do you want to jump in and wrap us up? <laughs> Can you hear me? I was fiddling. Okay, good. Everything worked out okay. Yeah, so that does bring us a little bit over our hour, which is totally cool. You guys were having a great conversation, and that's that was everything I could have hoped for. So thank you guys so much. Um, Solomon, Winbush, Gabby, Kelly, thank you all for joining us today, for taking time out of the day to, to give us a little insight into um, I'll just – virtual production, motion capture, how that all works and everything. Thank you guys very much. And I would also, as always, like to uh, thank the audience for joining us as well. Uh, We've been, man, it's been an action-packed, like, just week of content, and we only have one more day left. Um, We're hitting uh, virtual production from another angle tomorrow morning at 10 a.m. I can't recall our guest list, but tune in. um, Keep an eye on the channel or our landing page for our uh, live stream extravaganza. And um, so we'll see you then tomorrow as well. Uh, Just before we sign out, uh, is there anything you guys would like to shout out or tell anybody about before we go? I'll post post all your uh, YouTube links in the chat. I think uh, a, a collaboration is long overdue between Winbush, Gabby, and I. <laughs> yes, please. As soon as I'm done with this tutorial, like I'm, I'm down. Yeah, yeah. I say the holidays are going to open up. Like, yeah, yeah. We should talk. We could probably make something happen. Oh man, look at that. Oh, that'd be so cool. Awesome. <laughs> Again, thank you all so much. And um, we'll see you for the audience as well. We'll see you uh, next time. See you tomorrow. Yeah. Thank you. Take care. Thank you guys. Bye.